More than 100 million workers will need to find a different occupation by 2030 due to the changing expectations and evolving working environment, shows a recent McKinsey report. At the same time, we are experiencing a great resignation with masses of people voluntarily leaving their jobs for personal reasons. What does this all mean for the future of work? You're listening to Beyond Business with Vatsila, a series that goes above the realms of strategy and operations and seeks to find solutions to our global problems. I'm your host, Atte Palomäki. Today we are talking about the future of work, and joining me to dissect the topic are Antonio Nieto-Rodriguez, a noted author and professor in project management and project economy, joining us from Brussels, and Teja Sarajärvi, Värsilä's new head of human resources. She's a senior HR professional with international experience from several industries. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. So let's kick it off. 100 million mentioned in the report translates to one in 16 people, which is an astounding number. Antonio, what does this mean for the global workforce? If you look at Gallup and and other research, people have never been happy. Uh, uh, I'm exaggerating a bit, but people were not happy, most of them going to work. So I think there has been finally a click where people have realized how I'm spending most of my life in something that I don't like right? It's time to change. So I think the pandemic has helped to realize people that maybe it's not bad to change for once and look and try to do what you like most, right? Along with the pandemic, we have experienced something called the great resignation wave or the big quit with millions of people in America, UK and several parts of the world resigning their well-paid jobs. Why are the people working away and what can employers do about it? I think It's a combination of things. Uh, Like Antonio started already saying, it relates to uh, maybe people in their mid-careers considering that how has my life been so far? Am I happy? Is the balance correct? Am I still enjoying my career? And then when COVID came, people might have had concerns about their safety or uh, financials. Or then just in general, the the workload, which we always have had, but it became different when it became virtual, has put people maybe on the borderline of starting thinking that, is this what I want to do? Would I like to work differently? Am I happy? And from employers' point of view, I think it puts us in a, a different position. We have to rethink how we keep the people in the mid-careers. I think it's always been the case that young people, the ones who are earlier in their career, they are eager to change. I think it's extremely important. And we have to look in the mirror and find alternative ways of working together with those who are now considering their life values. Research shows that this resignation wave also has led to more self-employment and entrepreneurship. Is this a long-term scenario or just a reaction to the pandemic? I think one of the big reasons of the great resignations, according to my research, my point of view, is that in the past operational work, operations, the way we've been doing business for decades and centuries, uh, was not the issue. The big problem happened when the projects come into place, right? I think that that's one of the biggest 
problems is that uh, companies have exploded the number of projects they have because the the world is changing much faster today than 20 years ago. And and projects are difficult because um, you don't have clear priorities in organizations. I come across many, many organizations where they have more projects than employees. And on top of that, they need to do their work day-to-day job. So I think this is one of the reasons where people say, I cannot anymore. I have to do my day-to-day job. I have five projects where I need to participate. I need to lead that project. I don't know what are the priorities. There's every week a deadline and I'm just fed up. Taya, how does that all sound from your experience from the HR community? I think it might be that HRs have recognized the issue, but it's it's more about what then to do. How quickly can you make changes into the environment so that you would help in terms of work-life balance, but also then the other elements that are now important. So, so Antonio has a point. I can see that happening. And we, as HR community around the world, we have to challenge ourselves and maybe also rethink some of the foundational elements of of being employed by a company. And in your view, what is the future of work? What are the key characteristics that are needed going forward? I think what's important to remember is that that, that the element we tend to talk about is the physical workplace. So it's going to be location-free and and people can choose and we work mobile and so forth. And that is one of the core elements of it. But I think in terms of future work, we also have to remember that workplace is also also for uh, the the emotional side of of the work and that's about well-being as we've now discussed it's also about leadership it's about value it's about purpose so people are joining employers whom purpose they believe in and who they want to be part of and lastly i think it's about technological workplace so all the tools the automation the robotics the artificial intelligence we get in place And and then maybe the hygiene factor where HRs can Im, um, impact, which is the foundation for all the things I just mentioned, is more the ways of employing. What are the contractual terms? It's part-time, it, it might be externals, it might be entrepreneurs, and we might have walked away from the permanent being in headcount context, which I think is the, the biggest area where HR has to challenge themselves. Antonia, how does this sound to you as a researcher? There's a really a need for rethink a lot of things that we've seen in organizations. Let me just give you more a, a, a fact which I think is happening uh, right now is we all had job descriptions, right? And probably at edges, you all had job descriptions where it says you're part of, you're in this box and in this box, that's your role and this is what you need to do in the next years. That was great for the past. This is not good for the now and the future. My vision is that we don't need job descriptions, that every company that's listening today, think about canceling all the job descriptions that they have today. If you have 100,000 employees, cancel all the job descriptions. This is a radical disruption, which again, I think HR has to drive because now what you see more and more is people working project-based or agile teams. I call it the geek economy, which is a term we all know, yes, the Uber, and uh, but this is the geek economy within 
the organizations. So it's a network of freelancers. Look at your employees as a network of freelancers like Ubers or Uber Eats, and they move into the priorities of the organization. They're all kind of freelancers where they, based on what Ate was saying is the purpose, the priorities, the strategic matters where we'll shift the workforce very quickly from one side to another. And that's the agility that companies need. And the last point, I love the concept of purpose. We had mission and vision for 50 years. I think purpose is great, but if you don't have a project that will say how we're going to achieve that purpose, purpose is useless. It will not have the impact. So I always say to senior leaders, HR, CEOs, what's the project that makes people happy to go to work, that they're excited to go to make that purpose happening? It's not because we want to be greener, in the world is because we have a project to make us greener as by 2025. So when listening to this need for a radical transformation, disrupting the way that we work, getting rid of the job descriptions, you know, do you see something like that coming? It's actually not only HR, also some of the employees need safety. They need a description on what they're accountable and for and not accountable for. So I couldn't agree more with Antonio, but I think we also have to challenge our employees, in addition to, to HRs, we might need role descriptions or project KPIs and accountabilities, but I couldn't agree more that job, job descriptions are gone with the wind yes. to, to be remained in the history. So fully aligned. The World Economic Forum all has actually said that more than 70% of the workforce really wants some sort of uh, flexible remote to stay with their current employer. So that puts a lot of pressure for the future. But you know as as you said you know the workplace also needs to be more inclusive secure and even more human mm-hmm. so you know what on practical level can be done in order to you know make these changes in the work culture and make the physical workplace also more attractive before i respond to that i would like to make one comment which we have to remember that it's about employees wanting to be free and have autonomy and and lead their own job but then also feeling more stressed and alone. So I think what the workplace should be about is is that it's designed so that people want to come there for collaboration, for innovation, for dialogues. So it's not about doing that individual work in the office. It's more about creating environments where we enable that to happen because I'm deeply concerned about the engagement and the amount of uh, belonging that we lack when we are in hybrid. It's not as easy to create sense of belonging when we only work in hybrid. So for workplaces, I think the key criteria is to to enable communities to meet, to work together and innovate. And I think that's how we have to create the workplaces. So what have the past two years of hybrid work under COVID taught us about the working life? Well, I think it's a, a, a really important conversation around trust. People need to see you at work. Otherwise, they will think you don't work. Um, and you will not leave the office if your boss will not leave. Um, and now suddenly, I think what happened with the pandemic is that you had to build that trust immediately. Um, and and, and they had no choices, right? And I think what beyond that trust is what I, I love about this situation was that not only we had to build trust, but um, companies had to react to uh, a global crisis never seen before. And they did that virtually. 
They did that virtually where they said, okay, we are running. Uh, what do we need to do to keep the company alive, right? Suddenly we lose everything. Uh, and in 10 months, we did something that we used to take us 12 years. So I think it's not just the trust, but the performance point uh, that uh, Tejas is talking. We've shown that we can perform virtually. We've shown uh, people, they don't need to question this. We can perform in a hybrid uh, world. We, we've shown that. Um, so I think the question of trust is, Let's continue that. Let's let's shift uh, the 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 paradigm from the old to the new, where hybrid is is the main work working uh, and where trust is is fundamental. So we've done it. Uh, it was based on trust, but also high performing teams. So we have the the solution there. Let's apply it all over the place. So Teja, the executive level needs to rethink its way of working and HR needs to be a strategic support in doing so. That might be a bit of piece of cake in a small company, but how about a global conglomerate? How does one really drive such a change at speed? So I think it's also about self-esteem and presenting the HR function as if it's one of the most important discussion topics on the table. Then, of course, you have to work on the, the fundamentals, the processes and the tools and automate and, and show that, that those hygiene factors that relate to, to running HR, fa- um, HR function are in place. But then it's also about um, being in the strategic discussions and, and having in, an impact on those before they get started, not only as the implementer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's important. So so it's it's a combination of how you take the role, how you build the function, what competencies you have, and how professionally you manage and, and run that, that function in totality. Antonia, you know, based on your research, you know, how, how do you see this uh, you know, sense of belonging and how that can be then taken or handled in this future working environment? I want to send a message that it looks scary, but I think it's a, a great, great change for many people to find that joy in work and also the point of doing what you like. You should be able to choose which projects you want to work on uh, because that's what you need uh, to create engagement in projects is people who like what they are doing, they will perform much better. On the virtual side, there's one thing I love about virtual is that, you know, in companies, we love hierarchies. And for somebody uh, at the bottom of the hierarchy to meet a senior manager, vice president, it was impossible, right? It was, you had to, you would never meet them, maybe in a, in a keynote, but now we Zoom or, or, or Teams, you have, there's no hierarchies. Everybody's at the, it's a picture, you know, so we're all flat. And you can pose questions, you can challenge. So uh, I, I think the, the flattening of organizations to work closer as teams is so important. So I think this is one of the benefits I see uh, uh, going forward to keep that flat organizations where everybody has a voice, regardless of the years of experience or your status in the hierarchy. Uh, I think that's what makes great companies. That's what makes great team and great projects. And the last point I, I wanted to highlight about what I think is the company of the future is that ability of uh of understanding uh that you you mean something for the organization that you're not just a number that what your work 
uh, what regardless of what it is, it contributes to something, uh, to that purpose, to that project. So I think people don't see their added value in companies. Very few people see that. And I think the new world does encourage to, well, everybody can uh, contribute to that bigger project. So I think this is fundamental. I, I love what um, Teja and you are saying because we've been trained to compete. Uh, this is the world. Competition is the most important thing to the point that companies, within companies, they were competing to each other, right? The silos. And, and I think we need to change that. And HR needs to lead that. We, it's about working in teams, collaboration. If the team wins, we all win. So it's a radical shift in the mindset, in the values, in the culture that we've been used for 100 years. Competition is the most important thing to know. Collaboration is the future. And that's how we make a better world. We'll become better. We'll be happy and we'll get better organizations. They, I said, now during the COVID time, we've been sort of forced to make this massive change in uh, rethinking our way of working and made a digital leap while doing so. You know, with this experience, do you see that this is the end of this rigid, mechanized, time-bound way of working? The short answer to your question is, I think we are, at least in some jobs, approaching a different way of, of managing work, which leads to a very important topic where HR needs to help. We need to provide the employees with a toolkit, how to manage your own time, how to manage your work, how to be self-accountable, because no, there's no one else taking care of your well-being, especially if you are working a lot hybrid. It's easy to open the computer at seven and close it or keep it open all day, and we all know that, and then you feel like you're working 24-7, and that's exhausting. So that's the other side of the story. We have to help our employees to manage then that uh, situation. It's very different from coming into the office and leaving the office. Clearly, the worker-employer relationship of the past has now been disrupted, and uh, statistics show that, for example, uh, last year in May, September in the US, 20 million Americans quit their jobs. And, you know, the employees seem to have a upper hand in making the future choices. So, Antonia, how will this change impact talent management and hiring models from both the employee and employer side? Yeah, it's a great uh, factor. At, uh, um, I think we, again, we've been working in a system where it's very hierarchical. Uh, the boss has, is always right. Um, you are empowered to do a certain type of activities, but that's it. Uh, if you want to discuss with the boss, schedule a meeting in three weeks, and then you'll be able to talk about. And I think that maybe was a model that worked for many years when uh, the focus was on efficiency. I talk about the word driven by efficiency, volume, cost, um, automation. Now we're working on a more world-driven by change, where change means we need to react fast. We need to have a less structure, work more as a team. And, and I think this is the whole point, is that uh, I think it's an opportunity to get better leadership. I think one of the shocking things for me is that uh, when I see some type of leaders that make it to the top, I think, how is it possible that we have systems Uh, HR systems that promote like the worst leaders to the top. Uh, I just don't get it. Why can't we not have a system where the best P 
people, managers, the, the kindest persons who will empower people and feel more like coaches than uh, directors, executives, lead companies. So I think this is a, a wake-up call for senior leaders that they radically need to change the way we behave as leaders. I think this is a time where leaders are the ones that need to learn the most. Leaders are the ones that need to change the most if they want to create that organization of the future where people can um, fulfill their aspirations as workers, as as, as entrepreneurs. So uh, I really want to put the emphasis of the leadership has to change. And I hope HR is able to convince them because if you don't do that, we cannot keep having this type of leadership in organization. People will leave, they will find an empty company. So Teja, how can the HR community do this convincing? How can companies and business leaders take the action to change themselves and help shape this new ecosystem and to stay relevant? I think one way of phrasing is is that companies become a docking station or a platform for employees to dock into, which refers to to a lot, a lot of the other topics we've discussed. And we have to create that platform to work so uh, that it's easy to dock in and dock out. So it, being it technology or or the physical environment. But then from the business leader's perspective, I, I think it's, first of all, the core key is, is not only training, which which I partially agree with, that training we need, but I think it's more about being curious and having a learning mindset. I think that's the key for becoming a, a good business leader and to be able to coach and nurture your talent to grow. Uh, and, and then HR's responsibility is to offer those learning opportunities being it training and and so i think we are in stepping into an era even more where business leaders have to earn the employee experience and engagement it's not given anymore and i think it's about your personal characteristics and leadership skills that you have to be humble enough to to reevaluate constantly in new contexts and i think that's where hr can for, of course challenge but also uh, offer learning opportunities to develop yourself And that, of course, requires that HR is seen as a strategic partner. Yes, of course. So, Teja, as a newcomer at Wärtsilä, what are your first impressions there and uh, how active is the company in taking these required steps? I think there has been a lot of good work done in HR, especially in the area of technological workplace. So we've automated and there's a new HR system and we have a lot of virtual and automated things happening. And, and that's really good. And we've also come together as a team and, and evaluated how we work as an HR function. And I think now going forward, it's extremely important to to work on the topics which we are now working on, which is the leadership model, which we are going to launch during the spring. And it really links back to Vartilaway and our values. And then we definitely have to deepen our employee experience, employer image related topics, which then links to, to the overall talent management where we have to go much more deeper and much more tangible. And then I think lastly, uh, I think we have to work on on creating that learning organization where we focus on on learning and, and continuous improvement. But in overall, a great company. I joined because of the purpose. So I, I really buy into the purpose and what Vertila is trying to achieve in in the energy and marine area. And, and that's why I'm here. So I think we've gone very far with with explaining the strategic uh, mission and, and the purpose of the company. Well, to wrap this up, a final question to both of you, Antonia, perhaps you start. 
what kind of a relationship do you see employees will have with their employers in the future? Well, I want to comment on the Bartila uh, views. I love that you have created the, this podcast, just a side note, that shows that you are looking for new ideas and develop uh, what you were saying uh, um, about the TEJET, the, the learning organization. And, and I think for me, the view of the uh, employees and the employers is a bit what I was saying a bit earlier, uh, we need to move from that hierarchical approach, top-down approach to a nurturing organization where you go to um, develop people, senior leaders, their main task should be to develop people, to make sure that people uh, can exploit their big potential. It's not about giving orders. Um, it's about helping people to excel and be happy at work. And there's nothing more engaging than having people who are motivated and, and that drives change, that drives value creation, financial impact, social sustainability. So I think it's a really a very different approach from uh, top down to uh, like a coach. It's if you like sports, there's always a coach who helps people to get their best. And I, I do I do see some changes. There are some exceptional examples where the leader is a facilitator, an orchestrator, rather than somebody who makes all the key decisions and, and just makes people uh, follow them. Um, so I, I, I love the time we are at the moment work-wise, not uh, on politics, but work-by. I think there's a time for transformation for good. I do hope that we take the opportunity for transformation for good, not for bad, for good. This is a unique opportunity, and uh, I'm very hopeful that this will make our, our work-life balance or our lives better. If I, I build on that, I, I think uh, uh, on the words that Antonio were using, I think uh, the companies or the employers will become enablers. Uh, and actually, the question has the the wisdom in it, I think it becomes a relationship, a mutual relationship where there has to be engagement factors for both. And and we have to nurture those, as Antonio was saying. So so a more equal relationship where we, where we have to have a win-win approach for, for both. I think that's where we are heading. At one point just came to mind, if I can, I think HR has to play a big role. Uh, I, I just, you make me reflect, Jesus, many organizations, they don't trust HR. They they would see HR more as a friend of the executive. So HR has to drive this uh, change. They need to be, if I have something, I need to go to HR because they will listen to me. They will trust me. Um, they will help me. And I think this is a, uh, something that I just thought when you were talking to just HR is the biggest enabler. Uh, they need to lead the change. You need to go to HR because there's a partner. They will help you. Correct. Couldn't agree more. Well, with this alignment, it brings us to the end of this intriguing and highly relevant discussion. Dejan, Antonio, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and stay tuned for more discussions on pressing issues that we all must care about. I'm your host Atte Palomäki and today we went Beyond Business. You've been listening to Beyond Business with Vatsila. This podcast is produced by Spoon Finland and recorded on location in Helsinki.